What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 566 of the Smartout Moment Smack Talk Podcast, Hot Tags of the Week. We are going to break down all the things that happen in the world of pro wrestling that we feel like talking about from the past few days since the last time that you heard from us. Who are we? If you don't know who we are, well, I am Tony Mango. I've got with me Callum Wiggins. Hey there. And Robert A. Felice. Hello. So, hot tags. Got a lot of them to talk about for this week. Fortunately, some sad ones as well as some drama, some firings, some hirings, a heart issue, and some predictions. And we'll do some TV talk as well. And as we go along here, we want to know what you have to say about these topics. So by all means, shout it out in whatever capacity you can, whether it is, you know, a tweet or if it's something like you are on the page on smartcomoma.com or Facebook or something. The best way to do it is to go over to the YouTube channel. If you're not already listening to it there, leave a comment there. And while you are over on the YouTube page, hit the like button for this video because that'll help us out a lot. And it'll also let us know that you enjoyed this podcast. And if you're not subscribed to the channel, do that. That's a little subscribe button. It's pretty easy. YouTube's been around for like 20 years, so I think you know that by now. Ring that little notification bell as well to get those email alerts for things like when we go live tomorrow for the Extreme Rules post-show or break down the pay-per-view and talk about everything that happened immediately after the show. But usually we have at least like a five-minute or so window where we're trying to settle on some things and just double-check that the audio levels are fine and all. So when you get those email alerts set up, then you know for sure that, hey, look at that, we're live. And that's a great means of being able to join us for that and, you know, take advantage of the super chats and everything like that. And just to get it out of the way right now, why not? If you want to help us out on the monetary side of things for other things beyond like the super chats, check out the other things you can click next to the subscribe button. There is the join button. And that is the same thing as the Patreon, patreon.com slash moment where you have access to a bunch of different tiers, including the $1 a month tier, which is just a great way for you to toss a little spare change our way and let us know that you want to help uh, keep the lights on here. It's the same as that little thanks button. That's just like, yeah, you know, toss a little bit. But there are also Redbubble and Public designs and merchandise options if you want to pick up some kind of t-shirts or you want like a sticker for your laptop or your phone case or whatever it might be. That is something that you can get for smart out moment and for a mango tease and for a fanboys anonymous. And we'll talk more about those things later on, but that's not wrestling related. So we will skip that and total plugs later on. Cause we got hot tags to talk about. And I, uh, I think we should start off with the most unfortunate one of these. And, uh, just one of the awful types of hot tags that I hate seeing pop up. Sarah Lee, who had won the 2015 season of Tough Enough alongside people like Mandy Rose was on it. And uh, was it ZZ was the guy's name, I think, who ended up winning on the men's side. Or did he not win? He won, right? No, Josh won. Oh, Josh won. Yeah, the, the, um, the Eddie guy. And then, you know, most of the people on Tough Enough, we don't end up seeing them as much. You know, it ends up being like Mandy Rose, of course, ended up doing more in WWE than anybody, including even Patrick Clark for that season. But unfortunately, Sarah Lee, who was not long in WWE, she ended up leaving pretty soon after that, you know, just didn't work out. She passed away at age 30 uh, a few days ago. I haven't seen really a whole lot of details for it. She had said something about having a sinus infection. Then she posted that she was back into the gym and then something happened. I don't know what, but, 
obviously that is terrible, terrible news. And nobody wants to hear that, you know, anytime, especially when somebody's young. Uh, she is, uh, she was married to Wesley Blake. For anybody who remembers the team of Blake and Murphy from NXT and the Forgotten Sons, they have a few kids together and, uh, of course, outpouring of support from people on the GoFundMe page, uh, helping out with some of the bills and everything that are going to go along with this horrible situation. Just terrible news. Uh, you know, it's bad enough to hear when you got hot tags of like, you know, some kind of a negative where it's like uh, somebody's got like a, a different health problem, like an injury or an arrest or something. But when somebody passes away, it's significantly worse, especially if they're on the younger side like this. So obviously our condolences go out to friends and family and fans for Sarah Lee. Um, typical we when we do this, there's not too much for us to really talk about because it's not like that's like a discussion point. But we like to say something along the lines of, you know, the positives when it comes to this. And uh, I was watching Tough Enough during that season. Were you guys watching? Yeah, I had watched a good chunk of that season of Tough Enough. I think that was one of the more unique seasons where they tried to play it off like a contest show. They had, I believe it was Jericho was the host. And like they had Paige as a judge, and I think Hogan was involved. It was, it was a fun season. Um, Sarah didn't end up doing much in WWE, but she did meet her husband, and they started a family together. This is one of the most heartbreaking things I've heard in a long time, especially because she's only a year older than me. You know, and you really start to think about, you know, just how sudden things can happen, and I'm gutted for her family, but it really seems like the wrestling community has come together for her, and that's always comforting to see. Yeah, I, w- I was uh, I was watching Tough Enough at that time. I, it, it, it's obviously it's a very depressing situation in general, just to guess because of how young she was and the fact that she was mother to three children. So that's obviously a heartbreaking situation to find herself in. I can't really speak to too many highlights or remembering much of whatever what Sarah Lee did in Tough Enough or in WWE in general. I kind of like she wasn't even even though she won the Tough Enough thing, she wasn't the one that left a significant lasting impression because you have like your Mandy Rose, your Sonya Deville's, your Chelsea Greens and Patrick Clark in there for better or worse, in some of their instances of legacy they've left behind. But, yeah, it's just a, a tragic situation, and, yeah, all the all the best wishes we could possibly give to her friends and family. I remember I was supporting Sarah Lee and Patrick Clark more than anybody during that season, and hoping that, you know, that they would win. Of course, Patrick Clark didn't, and then we got everything that ended up happening with Velveteen Dream and all, but, uh, when Sarah Lee got signed and all, everything, you know, I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, see where this goes. And it didn't end up working out in that way. But like Rob just said, you know, she ended up meeting her husband and they started a family together and everything. So, it, you know, the way that the world works, I don't know if any of the whole, like, you know, there's a plan, the universe goes in a certain way or whatever. But sometimes it feels like that. And then when you get hit with a story like that, you go, yeah, what would the plan be for this? And the depressing things that go along with that, obviously, are obvious yeah but it's just another reminder as well to just take 
notice of the fragility of everything that's around you and to not take anything for granted. You know, tell everybody what you feel. Make sure that you live every uh, day like it's your last and all the tropes that everybody forgets after a certain amount of time. But you you have your reminders here once in a while. So that's a really, really unfortunate story to add to the hot tags. But we're going to try to get into some more positive ones going forward. Before we do that, could I talk about one more depressing one? Not that, not that I, not that I take any pleasure in that, honestly. But, oh, we got um, another. We, uh, this well, is like... uh, it's one that happened just after the hot tags last week, which we didn't actually talk about, which was the death oh, of Noki. Antonio Noki. Oh God, yeah, we didn't even talk about that because that, yeah, yeah, wow, that too, man. Yeah, that was like what yeah. mid SmackDown or something. I think that was, was mid SmackDown. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just wanted to add to that because even though, like, necessarily what it's definitely a tragedy, we definitely worthy of talking about first because it is definitely more fresh in people's minds. And Oki is on that we, I guess, we can talk a bit more about because of just the incredible legacy that he leaves behind in Japanese wrestling. He's one of the most notable, well known people in New Japan's history, but pretty much the founder of the promotion and did so much wrestled for decades uh had like very well-known matches i think the one with uh muhammad ali probably stands up as one of the ones that's one of the most uh talked about matches that big crossover event that they decided to do which ended up not going to plan because of uh i guess both of their unwillingness to treat it as a wrestling match i guess but uh but yeah, he was a a legendary figure for Japanese wrestling, and so his passing is a bit yeah, it leaves a big mark on the entire promotion because uh, I just saw what well, I saw in the news that he'd been made a honorary lifetime chairman of New Japan on September the first, and then he passed away on September the thirtieth of like I think about ten days before it was going to be announced that he had been made the this chairman at a special event that they were going to put on. Mm. So yeah, timing is obviously unfortunate there, but I think um, there'd been new stories in recent years about Noki's health deteriorating anyway. So I guess this was kind of un- unlike the Sarah Lee thing, which is one that just hits you out of nowhere. This was one that you could have anticipated coming in some time in the next like few years or so, but it's it still doesn't make it any less sad that, a guy that has that much of a legacy and a legendary status behind them passes away. It's it's for the New Japan fans. It's probably will be the equivalent of a, a Ric Flair or a Hulk Hogan passing away. Yeah. I mean, huge name in wrestling, even if it's, you know, somebody like me who doesn't have much knowledge of New Japan pro wrestling beyond like surface level and everything. I mean, this guy won the WWE championship, even though they don't acknowledge it. He is a, a monumental name in pro wrestling, like a, a Mount Rushmore type name. Yeah, Anoki, as you guys have said, is almost the the antithesis of the tragedy with Sarah. And this is one of those deaths, and he's one of those legends, legitimate legend, that if you take him out of wrestling, if you like erase his contributions wrestling is forever changed you know anoki starting up new japan and choosing the strong style path over the 
all Japan, King's Road style. Like, how many people aren't obsessed with strong style wrestling today? Obviously, modern times, it's more of a, of a hybrid of, you know, the all Japan and New Japan. But still, Anoki's done so much. And then you think about the fact that he was a politician in Japan. He was able to take his celebrity and move it into politics and the real world of Japan outside of the ring. And I just think he's a true legend that you're not going to see any wrestler ever have a career like his from beginning to end. And it's, it's sad. It's heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. So those stories, not on the, woo, let's talk about wrestling kind of side of things. But um, even though there are some stories that uh, are not on the, quote unquote positive side of things. There are things that we can play around with a little bit more going forward. So one of them being the hirings and firings and kind of question marks about some things when it comes to the WWE commentary teams and the broadcast personnel that are on screen. Obviously it's not good that people lose their jobs and everything. We're not saying that, but uh, it's a refreshing change the pace when things get changed around a little bit. And this is what we got going forward from what we know, at least Nigel McGuinness is gone. Jimmy Smith is gone. Kathy Kelly's returning. We don't know about Sarah Schreiber. There hasn't been any clarification about like Jackie Redmond or Scott Stanford or, you know, Matt Kemp and Ryan Popola and like the different people that are involved in some other things. But the commentary and ring announcing and backstage interview teams going forward are going to be get the full breakdown of what we got going on here. We've got on Monday night raw, there is Corey Graves and Kevin Patrick doing commentary. And Kevin Patrick had done backstage interview stuff. He was doing raw talk and everything. They put him on commentary like one or two times to fill in here and there. And, I honestly wasn't the absolute biggest fan, but, you know, I mean, a lot of the people are kind of cookie cutter in that kind of way. Uh, Mike Rome is continuing to do the ring announcing. Actually, I think the ring announcing has not ring changed. Stays. Yeah, it's Mike Rome on Raw. It's Alicia Taylor on NXT and it's Samantha Irving on uh, SmackDown. So they're all exactly the same. Um, but backstage interviews on Raw are now Byron Saxton and Kathy Kelly. And the NXT yes. side of things, you've got Mackenzie Mitchell sticking around, as is Vic Joseph on commentary. And Booker T is at least temporarily filling in. He's not. I think that might end up being a permanent move. Might, I don't know. I'm kind of questioning about it because Wade Barrett is joining Michael Cole on commentary on SmackDown. And... Pat McAfee has already been said he will be returning. They've put that out in the press release. And then as far as backstage interviews on SmackDown go, it's Megan Morant and Kayla Braxton. So there's quite a bit to unpack for this to go back and, you know, whatever. But that's the announcement of everything. Uh, bit by bit, Nigel McGuinness is gone. How do you guys feel about that? He's a former Ring of Honor world champion. For the love of God, please Pretty please let him do one match with Jericho and then let that lead to a small comeback. Please, pretty please. That's how I feel about it. 
Is he healthy enough to do that? I'm. I don't see why not. Uh, that would be. I, I mean, I, I, I would be happy for him to get back in the ring, but only if he is healthy to do so. I think even so, him being a guy that is very closely affiliated with Ring of Honor, both as a wrestler and as a commentator, I, I would assume joining the promotion that runs Ring of Honor would probably be a good step in the right direction. I mean, of course, he could always just be disappearing now and then come back for the NXT Europe thing, which is absolutely definitely going to happen. I'm doing that with quotation marks, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, we can't see them. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was hoping they would come through on the microphone almost. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's disappointing because I think he's a very good commentator and he was, he's a good personality to have on board. But then again, if you don't have an NXT UK, then there's kind of not a role for him, especially if you've already got another British heel guy who's going to be doing commentary on another show. So I guess they're, uh, yeah, they've decided to part ways. I could definitely see him joining AEW. I think that we're probably going to get something along the lines of at least him popping up for like commentary on Ring of Honor or whatever. I'm sure within the next, assuming there's no non-compete, I'm sure within the next month we will see, hey, Tony's son, Nigel McGuinness, more Ring of Honor news because he was also, before leaving WWE, he was the on-screen commissioner for Ring of Honor. This is something either company, honestly, could definitely use a, a you know, non-heel, non-babyface, just neutral on-screen commissioner. And I can see him doing that as well. But I'm, you know, praying for a miracle and hoping he wrestles. Uh, Jimmy Smith confirmed to be released. He told a story about how... Triple H basically kind of let him know that he had been fired the day beforehand by, uh, if I'm remembering correctly how this went down, he had figured out some kind of a statistic and had brought it up. And then he was like, give that to Cole because he's going to be calling the match on Saturday. Uh, it's got to be awkward. Well, um, because it didn't necessarily have to mean that he's that he was fired, even though clearly that's the direction they've taken. Because one thing I like about this new setup, only Cole and Graves are going to call the pay-per-views from now on. Kind of strange, right? I'm good with that, though. I'm not opposed to it, but I mean, I'm sure that they're going to be like, you know, filling in people here and there. But if their idea is to just have those two, I mean, it's one guy from Raw, one guy from SmackDown. So that makes sense. It's a color commentating guy and a play-by-play guy. And yeah, they've got chemistry together and everything like on paper it makes sense but it is kind of interesting that they wouldn't just go okay well then you know you call the smackdown matches and you call the raw matches and going forward kind of keep that because i'm sure when pat mcafee comes back that's gonna change but i mean we're talking months from now probably i don't know because they seem to like because if you only do mcafee on smackdown that gives him less travel you know it could argue, it could be arguably that they're trying to lessen the chaotic, okay, now we're moving over this guy and this guy. Because if you look, there's no more three-man team on any show. Right. It's all two-man team, babyface, heel, assumingly. Uh, one of the things I think 
maybe says Vince McMahon is no longer in charge more than anything. You have someone with a very clear accent as your lead play-by-play man on Monday Night Raw. Small detail, but that was one of those things that as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, that's not Vince anymore. Mm. You know what else is interesting about the Jimmy Smith situation? He's been offered a job by Cam Soda. Anybody doesn't know what that is. (laughs) That is essentially a triple X camera website. The same site that offered Jim Ross. Didn't they offer Jim (laughs) Ross a spot once to do play by play over porn? They might have, but he, uh, he, they sent out some kind of thing offering him like 500 grand to be like a commentator for, (laughs) for that, which I think is, if I were him, I'd be like, I don't know, maybe I would take the job. <laughs> like, what do you want to commentate on that? I'm like, ah, uh, he really got in there. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Smith was not, you know, my absolute favorite commentator of all time, but at the same time, I thought that he held it down fine. How'd you feel about him, Callum? Well, as I professed, yeah, as I professed multiple times, I do not listen to commentary on the WWE put out because it's just bland, innocuous, the same thing over and over again. Uh, and Jimmy Smith is the epitome of that, really. He's going to go down in history. Well, I say he's going to go down in history. He's probably going to be completely forgotten from history because he didn't have the temerity to either be incredibly good at his job or incredibly bad at his job. He was completely competent and just fine. And that means that people won't remember him. Yeah, because, it's more on the bland because, side. Yeah, because we all remember like uh, Adnan Verk and Mike Adam Lee and people like that who were just terrible at the in the role. And then you remember like your Jim Rosses and Jerry Lawlers and Bobby Heenan's people that were great at. He was just you know just who he was. He was just filling the role that needed to be there, and he did it totally fine. But never was a standout. Yeah, so. He was in the company from, I think, May of last year or so. Right. And, uh, you know, over a year, I guess that they had like a short term contract with him. and Or maybe they released him ahead of the contract. I don't know. I mean, we don't really know how these contracts work. You can't even check Wikipedia for this information because they haven't updated this in the longest time. Like they've got people on here that are definitely not in the company anymore. Like uh, uh, I'm pretty sure you made a Sanchez might not be. Uh, I know Dan Fulmeyer is not. So, I mean, there's plenty of people on this list that not too sure. You know, but like, let's real quick, just because only you would do this. You're like, what What are they doing with Matt Camp and Jackie Redmond? <laughs> and it's like, no one's fucking thinking about Raw Talk, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> but no one's thinking about this. I am because I'm like, oh, I really like Matt Camp. Matt like, Camp is going to be fine. He does the bump. He's not going anywhere. And, you know, the ultimate show and everything. And I'm assuming... No, nobody who does the digital stuff is going anywhere. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably continue to have Sam Roberts and Pete Rosenberg and everybody. And uh, I still don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but Katali, I think. I don't know. Uh, for WWE Ahura and yeah, so on and so forth. But uh, they, But the fact that they didn't say anything like that was just like, huh, I wonder what they classify like they said the ring announcers they said the commentary teams and they said the backstage interview because they're only worried about the main three shows but i mean you got raw talk and whatnot and you've got somebody like a scott stanford who pops up 
in like the most random spots here and there. And I wouldn't expect them to really specify pseudo shop or NXT level up or, um, Oh God, what's her name? Uh, Quinn. What's Quinn's fake WWE uh, name? Quinn McKay, whose name has completely escaped me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm blanking on what uh, her name is in the level up thing. But she filled in for Mackenzie yeah, and um, Mackenzie. She did great. Yeah. So and Sudo Shaw was fine. Like it's bland, inoffensive. Yeah. The same kind of bland thing that we were talking about when it comes to Jimmy Smith. Like he was just a voice saying exposition, and I tuned him out pretty soon. You know what's not going to be bland, but might be a little offensive. Booker T on NXT commentary. <laughs> I am so excited for just the inane nonsense that could come out of Booker T's mouth while calling NXT. He, I, see, I think that it's just a temporary thing. I think that we're going to get weighed back with Vic and that they just needed to kind of freshen things up a little bit. But then if that is the case, which it might not be, if it's the case, I'm kind of curious why they didn't just have Booker T fill in and keep Wade in NXT. Because they probably want to try Wade out on the main in roster. A more main roster role. Wade Barrett's fantastic. Love Wade on commentary, yeah. Uh, but honestly, Booker T is the man that gave us look at the eyes of Sinkar. <laughs> I just can't <laughs> wait for <laughs> the randomness that we're going to get from Booker T. If you're going to put Booker T in a spot where you want him to say the completely random weird shit, NXT is definitely the thing for it because the characters are wackier and he's not going to be as familiar with those people as he is for the main roster folks. So if like Channing Lorenzo comes out and he's just like, oh man, Stax is my boy. And like, uh, it just kind of goes off uh, Shucky Ducky Stax Stax or something. (laughs) Then uh, I'm curious about that, but uh, I'm also interested in Wade Barrett being you know uh, the bump up on that because wade's great and And the happiest news of all here kathy kelly's back big fan of kathy kelly she was fantastic on nxt and i'm just glad to see her back i i do feel a little bad for byron being moved into like okay we're gonna have you do interviews but i think if you notice in the press release they said on-screen interviews i think that that podium setup that mean gene style setup that you had seen on raw every now and again i think that's going to come back on a permanent basis and i think that's where they're going with that hmm. thoughts on byron thoughts on kathy Callum? yeah Callum has no thoughts on this <laughs> thoughts on wade uh wade's good so it would be good for that same on smackdown i i again don't again i haven't really I think he's good. He's definitely good in his role. I just don't, I haven't been blown away by him on NXT in particular. Uh, Booker T on NXT is going to be a huge distraction, <laughs> which is always the case. And to be fair, in certain instances where it's like Last Legend is wrestling, that's a good thing. But I feel like it's going to take away from a lot of, like he has historically on commentary sought to get himself over rather than the people that he's commentating on, which is an issue. So I'll wait and see. I mean, he, he will get himself over because that's why people like, well, you, you, you two, when you brought it up, so like you were excited about it. It's just like, yeah, because he only cares about entertaining people his own way. He doesn't actually care about 
calling the match or trying to make the other wrestlers look good, which is what his job should be. Um, Kathy Kelly, yep, great in her role. And good to see someone come back. Again, it's just a case of Triple H undoing all of the things that were taken away from him in the past. Like she was his key interview woman in NXT in NXT, so as soon as he gets the reins, she's gonna come back. So and I, I feel I don't feel bad for Byron. Byron's still got a job. That's kind of I assume he's still getting paid the same amount. He's just not gonna be on commentary as often. And he's not bad on commentary, but again, he's just again just a guy. So maybe being an interviewer will allow him to demonstrate some more personality. He might be like the commentator on main event or something because main event seems like it's sticking around so who knows about that what i really like about kathy kelly is in an era where everybody that was on the interview gig was basically just good looking woman stands there and holds microphone i mean we had plenty of them to the point that we can't even remember any of their names for the most part it was like devin taylor was one of them i know that that was one of the names but uh she actually had personality and she would have fun with it and try to inject a little bit of entertainment value into it. And she wasn't trying to upstage any of the people that she was interviewing, but she just happened to come off as a genuine human being and not like a robot. So I like that. And uh, I'm very curious to see what's happening with some of the other changes that are probably going to go along with this. Like maybe we are going to step away from that whole hold the microphone and stare off into the distance while the person walks away thing. And maybe we will get more of how like McKenzie is able to say, Vic and Wade back to you, or at this point, Booker and Vic back to you. Uh, I like that much better. I'm curious why they didn't say anything about Sarah Schreiber. I think she's also on the bump. Is she not? Mm-hmm. I think, I think like the bump people are safe. Well, she's mostly, if she is on there, I don't know if she uh, has done it because I haven't watched the bump in a long time. She's mostly just a backstage interviewer, primarily on Raw. So I don't know if that's maybe like we're getting rid of a redundancy and maybe they just prefer this team and maybe she's gone. Maybe they forgot to add her onto there, but <laughs> I don't think that that's probably what is the case. Maybe she's taking some time off. Maybe she's released. I don't know. I mean, it would be strange for it to say, okay, here is your team for Raw, here's your team for SmackDown, here's your team from NXT. By the way, we also have Sarah Schreiber on Retainer, and we're going to put her in there, but we didn't bother to mention her. So I'm kind of thinking that maybe she might be gone. I don't know. I mean, she might. I'm sure she'll let the world know on social media at some point. And WWE never announces these things for the most part anyway, so it's hard to tell, but be on the lookout for that maybe she is maybe she's not i don't know and some other changes of course are probably going to go along with this too maybe we'll see a different philosophy in just the way that people are doing commentary maybe we get some kind of better personality injection in there here and there we've seen a more relaxed approach as this popping up kelly kincaid by the way is uh kelly Quinn's kincaid, name. There it is. <laughs> i'm scrolling through the list right now and i'm like oh there you go um <laughs> I did a quick search for Quinn McKay and I forgot that she's not actually named Quinn McKay. She's Kelly verbal. So look at that verbal. Yeah. She got the right job (laughs) spelled differently. Um, Yeah. I like the idea that we're getting a change up here and 
I guess we'll see going forward how some of these teams work. I'm not all that excited, to be honest, about Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves together. I don't think that they probably are going to have the best chemistry, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll figure it out after a little bit of time. We'll have to see. But the first time that we're going to get some kind of indication of how this is going going forward is tonight on SmackDown. We'll have Wade. We'll have Michael Cole there holding down the fort. I think it'll be good. And we'll talk about this in you know a few weeks or something and be like, oh, you know, what are your impressions or whatever. But that is just another change. We've got some other changes here and there from like internal hires that honestly, it's not something that we can really talk anything about. Like you'd be like, oh, Kenneth Rado is the manager of sales. Kevin Tully is content creation editor. We don't know any of these people or <laughs> what these jobs are. So well, Triple H adding you more can guess from the term content creation editor that he will be editing probably the digital content like the YouTube stuff. Could be, but you know, we don't know what that if that necessarily means that he has pull on this thing or whatever and who he is and if he he's going to bring some great ideas. Jose Menendez is definitely the graphic artist to hire. We don't know. Um, none of these names at least stand out to me that I would recognize except for maybe Ryan Katz as manager of NXT creative operations. Well, yeah, he was legit one of the fucking head writers on NXT before mm -hmm. everything got taken over. So that's awesome. He was also a uh, road dogs co-host on his podcast. Cause they were both working in NXT together when they got released. So again, just more undoing the damage from triple H. You love to see it. Yeah. So those changes continuing well, to roll along. Robert fee getting a creative role. Did you not see that? That's the, uh, he's like a horror movie writer or something, I think, right? I believe he's also done some work with Marvel as well. Let me um, pull up the report from Sean Rostat. But the significance here is that he had pitched a Fiend movie. And that, obviously, with Bray Wyatt potentially coming back, you have someone who wants to work with them, you know, who's maybe knows a little bit about the character. And I'm all for injecting new blood into all forms of WWE. I'm not familiar with his work to be able to say, you know, if somebody were to be like, Hey, uh, Kevin Smith is writing for WWE. I'd be like, all right, this is what I'm expecting going forward. Or Quentin Tarantino is going to write something for WWE. Okay. Well, the cursing is going to go up and, you know, but, um, so he's, he's worked on Spider-Man comics, Avenger comics, and he's been head writer on several Disney shows. Which ones? I'm going to, I'm going to look that up right now as you continue to talk. Well, that's, uh, you know, a positive if he's got some experience with things that he could bring to the table and it's not something like, a soap opera or a reality TV show where we want to try to get a little bit away from some of those elements and get into some better storytelling. If he has history behind him of decent storytelling, then I'm all for somebody like that coming on board. Disappointed that I don't see my name on this list of hirings. <laughs> I mean, if you saw your name and didn't tell us, we'd have problems. <laughs> Just reveal it on the hot tag. <laughs> um, so I'm seeing here that he's done a lot of work in terms of digital content with stuff like 
IGN, Epic Mealtime, if you remember that. Yeah. Um, Tripping that sauce. Since work on the with Ellen DeGeneres, which is, you know, potentially good, potentially bad. Um, and yeah, it seems like he's a very experienced writer. So I'm very interested to see where he goes. Kind of reminds me of uh, back in like the Attitude Era WWE. I think it was post uh, the departure of Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara. They brought in this guy called Chris Kresge. He was essentially kind of credited with a lot of the more layered long-term storytelling that was taking place in WWE in the 2000s, like early 2000s, when, you know, the company was profitable and popular. And so it might be this role of him being part of the director of long-term creative could be a actual movement towards these less moment-driven, immediate storytelling stuff and focusing more on actually telling layered interesting long-term stories to actually build over time rather than either happen immediately or just become stagnant very quickly okay so i've looked him up on linkedin the disney show he did was a disney xd series called player select i have never seen it he also produced several things for will smith including the fresh prince reunion from during the pandemic uh, he's worked on MTV's Ridiculousness, which if you bother to flip by MTV on cable these days, is the only thing they show. So he seems to have, like, relevant experience in entertainment, which is amazing as far as a WWE hire. Another hiring that we have is that Oni Lorkin is a performance center coach. You think he coached Roman Reigns on how to throw up the one? <laughs> Be great if that's what he's brought on. He's just like, this is how you do it. <laughs> uh, good for Oni. I like Oni Lurkin. He's awesome. This, this is good. This is nothing but good news. This is a story I saw coming from a mile away. Pretty sure I've even said it on a podcast of like, all right, well, you know. Down the line, Biff Busick is going to do some indie shows and whatever. But if he doesn't get snatched up by AEW, he's just going to be a performance center coach. Like, I still think that Timothy Thatcher is heading in that direction as well. Probably Bobby Fish, maybe. I don't know. But Lorkin is a guy that fits that mold that they've had with plenty of other people in the past where it's like, look, this sounds kind of harsh, but it's the reality. You didn't make it but you have the skills to be able to teach other people how to make it for at least the in-ring side of things. Now, Andy Lurkin as a character is not something where he's going to be able to pitch people. This is how you do character work the same way that somebody like a Scott Hall could have done, or like a Shawn Michaels could have done, or the undertaker or plenty of other people that have had like character based things. But Lurkin is a guy that, you know, when he stepped in the ring, when the, it was the, the bell rings and whatever, he put on a good show consistently. I think he's going to be a great coach. Speaking of the performance center, let's talk about Fit Finley training Gable Stevenson. That's uh, another transition here with that uh, story of Gable Stevenson back training with WWE after a heart issue. That had kept him away. He was diagnosed with Wolf Parkinson White Syndrome. 
and that became something that we didn't know anything about for all these months so now it makes a little bit more sense why he's just been completely mia and not you know does something at mania then continues on and he's part of the monday night raw roster it's been it's been a while since we've seen or heard anything from gable Stevenson, and the most recent stories had been maybe he's gone now it seems like that's not true and the heart issue i guess is in enough of a way that they can assume that he can continue to do this as opposed to that it medically disqualifies him from continuing on with wwe but he is going to be training more at the performance center and i guess we're going to see him pop up sooner than rather than later it's good news i'm glad that first of all i'm glad he's healthy i'm glad that they have addressed the problem which he apparently found out before he was set to travel to the olympics so they've known about this for a while and i'm glad that things are getting back on the right foot Any thoughts, Kel? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, glad, I'm glad he's healthy, but like I, I haven't seen anything from him that makes me suggest that him coming back and tra- training again is going to lead to anything great. Any he's, thoughts on Finley being the guy to lead the training? Uh, maybe he'll beat the shit out of him. Maybe that's kind of. All. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's what I that's just what I assume with Finley. Like Finley's a great Finley's a great trainer and coach. I mean the the um, women that he trained during the uh, like the quote unquote divas era speak very highly of him and his uh, willingness to work with them. So I guess that's a guy that you can trust to showing the ropes. But I mean, hopefully he picks up as quickly as his brother does because his brother is really really good. So so if he can get to his brother's level, then then maybe we've got something. But right now, he's still a completely unknown quantity beyond the stuff that we've seen on TV. And what we have seen on TV demonstrates that he's got very little charisma. Mm-hmm. Listen, if we take the gold medal away for a second, and we don't make it like Olympic gold medalist Gable Stevenson, and we just potentially put him in like a Steiner Brothers tag team with his brother, I'd be all right with that. You know, tag teams that can just throw people around are awesome. I'd be potentially like okay with it, but we need to see more than a hip toss. And that's, yeah. And we, he did what? Like a German suplex, I think too, or something. But, um, at least, you know, they're back on track a little bit. Sucks that it was supposed to be Gable versus triple H. And then they both found out they had heart conditions. Kind yeah. of, uh, oddly poetic, right? Yeah. I guess it probably made triple H even more, of someone to talk to, someone who's probably more sympathetic towards what was happening. But it's, again, just great to see that he's healthy and now we can look forward to the future. I'm not feeling remorse from like uh, fear of uh, missing out on that Triple H versus Gable Steepson match, to be honest. But yeah, I, I'm I glad feel that. I'm remorse about missing out on Triple H matches. I do that, always yeah. be one of my favorites, but. I mean, we didn't yeah, get. I what you're saying. We didn't get Triple H versus uh, AJ Styles. We didn't get him against like Ciampa or Gargano or, you know, there is a long list of things that we could have gone with for maybe a future edition of one more match. But um, yeah, um, we'll see. Another hiring that's happening in WWE, and this is going to be mostly a transition thing to talk about, but they are hiring an operations manager with the idea in mind. Uh, this is according to um, this breakdown for Wrestling Observer. 
Uh, WWE is looking for an operations manager to work with on-air talent. The idea is scheduling, working with the uh, the travel department, working with the creative team to make sure the announcers know the key points that they need to get across, negotiating with announcers, recruiting new announcers, and helping develop new ideas for announcers. One of the lines is that the operations manager, quote, will have direct contact with talent and must be able to manage conflicting egos, personalities, and concerns, which seems like it is just, hey, HR, an HR thing (laughs) that probably should have been an AEW because the main transition here, because, you know, hey, look, good, do you have this? But let's talk about the real thing here. Andrade El Idolo and Sammy Guevara. This has been such a wild ride of a year, 2022, where by the end of the year, we might have to set aside extra time on the end of the year awards for WWE and AEW to just talk about the sheer absurdity of how much has changed in this year even within, you know, flip-flopping the scales of, like, at the beginning of this year, AEW was the saving grace because WWE was going further down in this nosedive towards absolute garbage and falling apart, and the company was just, like, in shambles with this Vince McMahon thing, and, you know, Stephanie gonna leave, and then she's back, and Triple H isn't there, and he's got this heart thing, and this is happening, and that's happening, these people are leaving, that person wants out, and AEW was like, hey, come on here, we got you. And then Triple H gets in charge and they do the switchover. And it's like the universe said, now it's AEW's turn. And all this kind of backstage fighting and issues with people tweeting things out about how frustrated they are with the company and everything. It's one thing for people to just generate buzz it's another thing for a story like this after the whole brawl out what they're calling this with cm punk and all that to have another issue where people are fighting backstage and the reports that i've read which may or may not be true take it with a grain of salt naturally seem to be they wanted to take the andrade frustration turn it into an angle that they can get a little bit of buzz from and just sort of try to make good out of a bad situation with this random, Hey, Preston Vance is going to go up against Andrade. And if he loses, he has to unmask. But if he beats Andrade, Andrade leaves AEW. Then that turned into a thing about Sammy Guevara and the whole, Hey, if you want to leave, just fucking leave. And, uh, you know, Ricky Starks is sitting there tweeting out. I wish my, uh, coworkers would just shut the fuck up. Which he deserves the belt. I love that he tweeted that out. And Andrade's talking on an interview or a podcast or something. I don't know exactly what it was about how supposedly he had hit Sammy Guevara too hard and you should just hit me back and whatnot. Sammy's saying you didn't say that to my face and then I'll say it to your face on Wednesday. And it's basically turning into an angle of you would think that it's Sammy Guevara against Andrade in this match, yet you know, 10 from Dark Order is over there just like, what the hell's happening, guys? <laughs> and the match gets pulled after we get a whole backstage fight thing where Andrade fights with Sammy Guevara, according to some reports. 
he had thrown a punch and Sammy Guevara didn't. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Maybe there was pushing. Maybe the, somebody spun around or something. You know, it's all the hearsay and speculation and blah, blah, blah that goes along with that. But Sammy didn't get sent home. Andrade did. And even if you're trying to get yourself fired from AEW, this is not the way to go about it because you look like an asshole. And then other people are going, hey, why is all this drama constantly surrounding Sammy Guevara? It's that situation. And the even though this isn't really related in the same kind of way, the whole Pam thing and, you know, you propose then ends up with the Ty Mello stuff. And then you get the Eddie Kingston stuff and you get the Sasha Banks things and everything. Not good. <laughs> oh, uh, how do you guys want to unpack that? <laughs> Here's how I'll unpack it. I'll unpack it as I found out. Because Luis, who works for Fightful, says, Andrade did this interview. I'm going to go through it. And I'll let you know what I find. And he tells me. And I read the quote. And it's mid-raw. So I go, well, that'll run in the morning. Let's see what happens. By that point, Sammy already tweets out, you're a favor hire, bitch. It's like, okay, um, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's Andrade. So then the quote gets dropped, and my favorite line was, even The Miz likes to hit back, and not even this guy. I like that. But then they got, start going back and forth on Twitter, and it's like, oh, boy, what's going to happen here? And by the time you get to Wednesday, you know, I, I'm getting ready for AEW. I come out of the shower and I see Andrade no longer on Rampage. And you go, oh boy, I wonder what happened. So of course there was a physical confrontation. And it's there's definitely a problem in AEW where it's maybe a little too lax, where you keep having these issues. But at the same time, Andrade seems... Like, he's got a bit of a healthy ego on him. Sammy seems to be the drama, because the drama seems to follow Sammy. And it, it just seems like it's distracting from the program, honestly, at this point. Like, speaking as a fan at this point, it seems like it's distracting from the show. Big. Obviously, it's definitely not a good situation to be in by any stretch of the imagination to have a lot of infighting between people with seemingly huge egos behind the scenes and people like Sammy Guevara who seem to just stir up trouble wherever they go, even though in the case with the Kingston thing and with Andrade, seemingly all reports suggest, and one from Kingston himself suggesting, uh, they're the ones that threw the punches and, and Sammy <laughs> Guevara is just eventually just standing around and waiting for the punching to stop almost. Well, the reporting, uh, the report from Sean said Sammy pushed him and then Andrade threw a punch. I'm just imagining a scenario where this is like, like Sammy's, uh, you know, in catering and you got two people like, I don't know, just pick two people randomly on the thing. It's like John Silver and, uh, say like uh isaiah cassidy or like arguing with each other and then one of them just is like oh yeah yeah and then they just punch sammy <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it is a really difficult situation because i don't think he's at fault for either of these things or not i guess he's not physically 
at fault for these things because even though he said the thing that rolled Kingston up, that's something that should be settled like with a discussion behind the scenes rather than being slapped in the face. And the same thing with Andrade should be, you know, you have an issue with each other, come together and talk about it rather than, you know, beat the shit out of each other behind the scenes. That's all, that's just, again, just hugely inflated egos and bravado and whatever. And so I can't blame Guevara for those instances because he doesn't seem to be the instigator of them. But at the same time, you shouldn't be tweeting stuff like that publicly. But then again, Andrade probably should be saying that stuff on a podcast as well. Again, just that should be stuff that's handled internally rather than spread about over the place. I thought that was what that backstage meeting was all about. Maybe that maybe they mm-hmm. did say that, and Andrade just can't understand it because he doesn't speak very good English, and so he just decided, oh yeah, just I'll turn up and move on. He heard, but, he didn't hear the don't, so yeah. it was like don't be tweeting all this stuff out. He's like, oh, be tweeting it, okay. And yeah, so but at the same time, there's no smoke without fire, and there is probably at least a score for which suggests that they probably could resolve a lot of this backstage tension drama if they just fired Sammy Guevara. <laughs> And realistically, I don't think, based based on the reaction that he gets, I don't think there'd be a huge proportion of the AEW audience that would be upset about that happening. <laughs> Which is, again, it, it shouldn't, but it shouldn't be the case because you can't just you shouldn't just fire a guy because you don't like him. Otherwise, Baron Corbin shouldn't have fired about ten or fifteen times over. But that's neither here nor there. But he is very he's deeply unpopular and deeply. Um, like despised guy by a lot, a large portion of the AEW audience, I'd say. Just based on the reaction that he got in the match, you can say it's like good heel heat, but it's generally just people. Like he does that big dive to the outside during the uh, tag team match, the crowd pops for it, and then they just chant, "You still suck." At him. <laughs> it's like that. It, it's hard to see where the is that just him getting really good heel heat, or is that them saying, "Yeah, we." He's like deep into the X Park heat territory now, and I think that it's more the latter than the former. But the case of Andrade, um, well, you've got two options. You either give him what he what he seemingly wants, at least according to Dave Meltzer, is that he's trying to get himself fired, and so he punched Sammy Guevara because now, now that he's done something which probably could breach his contract by causing this backstage fight, they would be within their rights to fire him, and he could just go to WWE. If that's that seems to be what the course of action is. Or they just let him sit at home on his contract and wait for him to cool down and potentially come back or just leave him there sitting down. It's like sitting on his back backside for the next like three, five years, however long his contract is. And then they part ways then. Because AEW doesn't have a habit of firing people. And they will pay people to do nothing. So we'll see what course of action that takes. There's a few different schools of thought when it comes to this, but one thing to kind of circle back to don't do this to get fired because (laughs) number one, you look unprofessional because that's not the right way of going about things. Number two, you open yourself up to a lawsuit. Look at all the things that are happening right now with Ace Steel and CM Punk and Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and all that. It could always be like an assault charge or something and that's not worth it. Number three, WWE really going to want to bring back the guy that just started a fight backstage with something? I don't know. I wouldn't, if I were in Triple H's shoes, I'd be like, at the very least, we need to wait a while for that. And I think that ruining 
not really like, you know, uh, ruining something for the show in the sense of like, you know, that would have been the big buy rate is everybody clicking on this, uh, Andrade match or whatever, but you're purposely doing something that's screwing over your boss that if you don't have the best relationship with, that's one thing, but you should try to work your way out of your contract in a positive sense and not be like the guy that needs to get fired because you're a problem. Then that just makes you look bad. I don't know about the, like who started it and you know, all the things that go along with that because none of us are there. Uh, I, I would think he's not coming back to WWE anytime soon. And if I were in Tony Khan's shoes, depending on how much money it would cost, I'd probably consider more than anything, just paying him to not be around and be like, look, if you want to get out of this contract or whatever, fuck you, pal, you're going to wait a while and you're going to have to sit this out as like a, a lesson, you know, you're in timeout now. <laughs> also, I'd want to bring in something that, uh, that I heard, well, that was discussed on the Voices of Wrestling podcast last week when they were talking about uh, releases and why I don't feel as sympathetic towards AEW people who want to get out of their contract and aren't released in the same way with uh, WWE's people. And that's uh, essentially Tony Khan has a track record of paying people until the end of their contract, like Marco Stunt, like Joe Janela, even if they weren't using them. Whereas WWE has a track record of firing people uh, regardless of when their contract is meant to expire. So it's kind of... If... AEW has shown a willingness for people to to essentially live up to their end of the contract, then AEW wrestlers should be doing the same, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I don't feel as bad or think that Tony Khan is essentially just doing the reverse WWE by forcing people to sit at home in the same way that WWE did with Ali and a few other people that requested their release and weren't granted it for months or years afterwards because WWE can just end someone's career in the drop of a hat and that's just the norm for them or at least it was in the previous regime yeah it definitely doesn't feel like it's the same for anybody that's like why doesn't he release them if everybody else is complaining about the WWE thing like it's you know apples and oranges is a different kind of thing but it's it's not quite a one-to-one ratio I don't know about this whole thing that Andrade is one of three or one of four people that wants to be released and go to WWE might be true. It seems like that might've been the case with Bobby fish and maybe some other people here and there, like the whole Malachi black situation and buddy Matthews and all that's still kind of question marks all over the place for all we know. Maybe that applies to somebody like a Keith Lee. Maybe that applies to somebody like, uh, you know, it's people like FTR or something. Uh, it could be anything, but it's definitely just another bad backstage morale contract employee, whatever you want to, you know, lump all these together situation with AEW that they need to get some wins <laughs> on this front after a few months of taking some heavy hits where people just don't seem to want to be around there as much. And then, 
you hear, ah, no, everything's great. Our roster is as strong as it's ever been. And then you get a situation like this and you go, well, you can lie to yourself. You can lie to the fans. Sooner or later, where there's smoke, there's fire. And, you know, you got to run out of the building because you're going to burn down. Uh, I, as far as predictions go for how this is going to end up playing out, I think the fact that Sammy Guevara didn't get sent home is something that's a newsworthy element of this. And some people have said, ah, Chris Jericho went to bat for him just because he wanted to maintain the main event. And that's not right because Chris Jericho is whatever. That's speculation on their part. We don't know if that's true. Well, here's what we do know. We know for a fact that John Ross have originally reported both men were sent home. Sammy was at the show. He did win in the main event. Speaking as a fan with that information, I feel as though they kept him because it's like, hey, listen, we had this plan anyway. We kind of don't need to switch what our plans are again. So we sent Andrade home. You weren't the guy who initiated the punching. So let's bring you back here and let's try to just keep this train on track. Mm -hmm. That's the vibe I got. Me too. I don't get the impression. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it is. I don't know that it was like Tony Khan sent them both home. And Chris Jericho was like, listen, fucker, (laughs) you know, and like that kind of thing that some people are doing, but I don't know. Um, I don't think that we're going to see Andrade in, AEW anymore. I think he's either going to be sitting things out or he's going to be just flat out released. Yeah, I, I, I imagine so too. If he does get released, it will be interesting to see if he does go back to WWE because that seems to be obviously where he's. Well, I don't say obviously because I don't know. I haven't spoken to him personally. And, uh, but it seems that would be the destination. That's where Charlotte is, or at least is higher too. She's not been there for a while, but. That is where he would likely want to go. But whether this whole incident and the way that he's gone about it with AEW puts Triple H off is another question. I know that he uh, he was upset about not being able to work for Bindor because of the stupid relationship issues between New Japan and Triple A and CMLL and all this stuff, which meant that he couldn't appear and people like the, the Lucha Bros couldn't appear as well. So, and he does have a history in New Japan as well, so maybe he could go there instead. I, I think that, well, regardless of how this turns out, Andrade will find somewhere to work, even if it's not WWE. It's not going to be AAA. <laughs> no, no, he tweeted out something about like that. Fuck yeah, that he's place. He's got a lot of issue with them as well. So. <laughs> yeah, it's burn some more problem. bridges I mean, while you're at it, you know? Yeah, maybe he's the problem, actually, in all of this. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he's the issue. Yeah, we, we said this phrase about CM Punk and some other people. You know, it's that uh, that old philosophy: if you keep coming bar across a bunch of assholes, <laughs> maybe you're the asshole. Um, it doesn't seem like one of the things that'll be happening is that he'll pop up in a, uh, WWE with Zelina Vega, because we got some other news, earmuffs. If you don't want to know some potential spoilers, but. Seemingly, Zelina Vega is going to be on SmackDown with Legato del Fantasma. Fucking awesome. I like it. 
thumbs all the way up. I mean, I feel bad because Electra and they did have build a, you know, rhythm with each other. But Zelina's great. Legato's great. I thumbs up for me if this actually goes down as it's supposed to. I think Zelina is better than Electra on every single aspect. So it's an upgrade for me. I don't think that they needed to have anybody like that, though. I think that uh, Escobar can hold down the fort on the mic on his own right. You just have Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and um, Real Mendoza, or what's his name? Cruz del Toro. They could have just been there fine enough on their own. But if you want to do the whole thing where you've got like B Fab and you got Maxine Dupree and, uh, you know, you kind of want to have another woman in another faction. I'm going to go Zelina over Electra for sure. Electra needs more time in NXT. Yeah, that's definitely an, an upgrade. I think that Zelina is great on the microphone. Oh, I think that Santos can definitely hold his own there as well. So I don't think it's going to be as dependent as Andrade was on Zelina Vega. Mm. But it's still, you need to give Zelina something to do. And she's really good in the managerial role. I think that her wrestling, while competent, is nothing stand standout. So her being able to play to her strengths, which is as a mouthpiece, would work out best for them, and it would help give them some instant credibility because she's well known to the raw and SmackDown audiences. Yeah. Whereas, as we've seen for, from a few people that have come up recently, some people from NXT are just unknowns to the quote unquote casual audience. So having her attached to them will immediately give them a bit more sense of familiarity and maybe credibility as well. Speaking about the Maxine Dupree thing, we should go back in time and talk about the last week's episode of SmackDown where uh, Max Dupree, all the teases that he had been doing about LA Knight, he quit the group. He was just like, you know what? This isn't for me anymore. He's pulled a couple, yeah, kind of things recently, and you know we're we've said it before, we've said it, uh, we'll say it a bunch of times more. I'm sure we're in this recorrection period where we're retconning certain things and bringing things back. Like Shotzi's got the tank back, and that's pretty cool, and it actually looks better right now than it did before because they did this pyro thing instead of this little shoot out the the ball that just goes and looks kind of lame. But you know, babyface Shotzi and tank is NXT rather than heel Shotzi who does nothing but get her ass kicked every couple of weeks on SmackDown with the Vince McMahon protocol. And we're getting it seemingly LA Knight. I don't know if he's going to keep the Max Dupree name and just be Max Dupree. I'm assuming he's going to come out on SmackDown either tonight or next week or something and just be like, all right, I'm back to LA Knight. Fuck all that. <laughs> you know? I think that that's the right decision though. I think uh, Maximum Male Models has some value to it in the sense of I see what they're trying to do and maybe it'll work for like at least like a comedy mid-card act or something. But Maxine Dupree and Max Dupree together, it was superfluous. She wasn't talking and he was being wasted. So I think that's a step in the right direction. What do you guys feel about that? LA Knight is fantastic. I think he's one of the few guys who can talk. So, you know, utilize that while you can. 
And I don't want them to split the male models. I think Mason Mansoor are very good at what they're doing. They're a very good comedy act. We don't have enough of those. They're just like, okay, you're you're here just to put over other people, but you need a team like that. So I think that they should keep them together, but I think this is thumbs up all around. Yeah, I think it's good that LA Knight gets separated. It's one of the few times that I'm going to allow them to retcon this whole thing and him to pretend no longer pretend that he's the brother of Maxine Dupree and just be LA Knight instead and then just forget about all that stuff that happened. Uh, yeah, I don't really care too much for the team in gen- general. They're just there for a laugh, but they're in no way as funny or entertaining as people like Breezango have been in the past. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the they don't have the in ring credibility to even match up to them as well. So I think that they're going to be a short lived thing, which is funny for a couple of months, and then it's just going to be, you know, they'll pop up every couple of weeks on SmackDown for a job and match against the New Day or something like that. How do you guys feel about the suggestion that has been going around that Tyler Breeze should come back and be the head of that? Because I really like that. Uh, he should do something with them. He's they've got him under some kind of a deal. He's regularly like featured on the bump. He's back on up, up, down, down. So why not? Prince Brady being about, the lead of Maximum Male Models. Yeah. How about how about a that? How about we bring back Tyler Breeze? Then we bring back Fandango, and we just have them team together. I'm down oh. for that. <laughs> No. I, like, I like that idea because I, uh, I've always been a fan of Fandango too. I like that a lot. <laughs> they both deserve it. Uh, let's see what else we got going on here. We could do, uh, I guess let's, um, let's finish with impact uh, bound for glory predictions. Cause that's a rarity. Let's continue on the talk about the TV stuff on WWE side and AW side of things. Uh, we talked a little bit about SmackDown from the last week. Anything else uh, that happened on there? I don't think so. Probably right. It's yeah, like, oh, you know, so. SmackDown is where. But SmackDown lately has been a lot of just like kind of pointless viewing. I haven't been a big fan about that. Like, I don't care about Ronda Rousey beating Natalia again or uh, Bailey against Shotzi or any of these matches. I'm not really... SmackDown pointless viewing when Sami Zayn and the Bloodline are doing the best work. Sammy's great, but I skipped through a lot of it this past week. I skipped through Hit Row against Los Lotharios. I skipped through... Actually, I didn't even bother watching the main event, the McIntyre, Gargano, and Owens against Theory and Alpha Academy, even though I like all six guys. I was just like, ah, it's, it doesn't matter. So I'm good with that trio being three-fourths or three-fifths of a War Games team, though. McIntyre, Owens, and Gargano? Yeah. I'm assuming not <laughs> Alpha Academy and <laughs> Austin Theory. Yes. I mean, it's a standard thing for Triple H, isn't it? Because this is what he would do. He would consistently book like five to six out of ten TV shows for NXT throughout the entirety of the run. And then it would build up to a takeover, which is like super brilliant. And so, so far, like his pay-per-views have been pretty damn good. So I think that there's a good indication that that's, he's essentially just applying the NXT formula to now, which is TV is good, consistent like two three out of tens constantly and then the pay-per-views are going to be where the things actually shine the most hopefully so when it comes to extreme rules um talk about monday night raw 
Judgment Day had a match with AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio. AJ got all upset afterward. Still not into that story. Mustafa Ali randomly was like, hey, fuck you, Bobby Lashley. <laughs> and then lost. <laughs> so well, This is what Ali does, isn't it? He's like, no, I want a chance now. And then he has a great match and then he loses. Yeah. <laughs> and then Rollins comes in and then Lashley's like, hey, I want to fight Rollins on Raw and I'll defend my title. And I don't really know where they're going in that. Uh, Lashley has been just Rollins bouncing around. US title. You think that that's how they're going? Absolutely. Now, Callum, we didn't get your opinion on Extreme Rules, so I kind of want to carry that over into that. Um, where do you think they're going with this whole thing with not only just Lashley and, I mean, Ollie, I guess it's out of the picture, but Lashley and Rollins, but you got Rollins and Riddle, and you got Daniel Cormier, and you got potentially Brock Lesnar coming up, and Crown Jewel and all that. Give us your thoughts. So I think that, well, the Daniel Cormier thing, it, is, it isn't a coincidence that he's popping up for this. The interesting thing for me is, like, I think that he'll have a match at Crown Jewel. I just don't know who it's going to be against, because to me it could be against Lashley, it could be against Riddle, it could be against Rollins. It's one of those three. Not Lesnar? Um... Nah, because I think that you want to make it immediate. Well, he needs to have some sort of angle built out of this match. It's not like he can just come in here. It's not like Lesnar's going to appear at Extreme Rules. I, I mean, there's a chance he could, but I, I doubt that he's just going to come in after this match and beat up Daniel Cormier, and that just sets up the match. Again, it's not an absolute... So Did he literally do that in the UFC? Like, he just entered the octagon after one of his matches? And started like shoving him around. Yeah, but I just I just don't think that that's going to happen here. I think that well, let's say Riddle beats Rollins in the match. Riddle beats Rollins, and so Rollins gets pissed at Daniel Corbier. Corbier makes the decision, and so that makes him angry. You could even do the thing of having Rollins beat Lashley for the U.S. title, and then he's defending the U.S. title against Corbier and Crown Jewel instead. I, I would say if I was a betting man, my inclination would be towards him facing Rollins at Crown Jewel. We could even get something where they do Cormier against one of those three or whatever, and then Cormier pops back up. I mean, maybe we get Lesnar and Cormier at Super Showdown or Elimination Chamber or whatever they do at the beginning of the year, or maybe even Mania. Uh, um, other predictions for Extreme Rules? that go along here. What do you think is happening with the Raw and SmackDown women's titles? Um, I think that Ronda's winning the SmackDown women's title and Bianca's probably retaining. Cross and McIntyre strap match? I think Cross will probably win. I'm not looking forward to it, but he will. Are you in the same boat that we are for Edge is definitely losing the I quit match because the kids and or Beth are going to be in some kind of danger? Yeah, that seems like the, <laughs> the best, that seems like the most logical course of action. I one way or another, Bala has to win this match. They can't suffer another big loss on pay per view. It's too this this uh even though they're getting a lot of TV time on Raw, this whole faction is losing loses credibility every time they step out on the pay per view at the moment. So they need to get a win over a, a credible name. 
Yeah, they can't make their gimmick that they perpetually come out after they've lost and say, we run Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Running into the ground, what's happening here? Um, what are your thoughts on the fact that they, for some reason, after all this build, they don't have a Miz and Dexter Loomis match on this card? Fucking brilliant. <laughs> Figured you would be that's, that's more a, on the positive. Like, I, I, want, I want this show to be good. So yeah, don't want <laughs> next to leave us first of the visit. A lot of other things that happened on Raw were just sort of they just happened, you know, Solo Co against Angela Dawkins and so on. Uh Otis and Gargano, blah blah blah. On the NXT side of things, we got pretty deadly with a terrible uh opening promo that thing was not fucking funny and brawling brutes came out out of nowhere to interrupt and that led to a tag team match that assisted uh imperium coming out and setting up that you go in imperium or you're going brawling brutes at uh extreme rules uh i'd probably go with the brutes by the way, uh, SmackDown tonight, Sheamus has that Intercontinental Championship rematch. I am fully expecting that to end in some sort of everybody starts brawling. It's a DQ, no contest, whatever. There's a, there's a good chance of that happening. Yeah. Oh, also about that whole tag team thing with Pretty Deadly. Yeah, the opening promo stuff. Yeah, was a bit super cringeworthy for them. I'm a big fan of Pretty Deadly, but I just yeah, that was too much for mm. for me. And then they do, do they do the thing that they occasionally like to do where you have like the champions at the end of the show after their title defense and then you surround it with other tag teams just looking down at them and thinking oh my god look how stacked this division is it was two fucking teams <laughs> it was like it was it was idris anofi and malik blade and gallus i think no uh it? brooks jensen and no, oh, yeah, brooks yeah, jensen, yeah. gallus yeah gallus suspended, there. but they already yeah. cut a promo saying they'll be back yeah, so it's Brooks and Jensen and Malik Blade and Adrian Sanofi. It's like, wow, look at how stacked this tag team division is. I mean, eventually we're going to get Axiom and Nathan Fraser as a tag team, right? After they do yeah. their third. <laughs> yeah, and maybe like Quincy Elliott and Hank. Ugh. <laughs> Not a fan of that whole segment this week. Hank Walker gets uh, lost from Zion Quinn and Quincy Elliott comes out and then dances and slaps him on the ass or something. I'm not digging it. I liked no, I the uh, the Hank Walker is the security guard that gets a contract thing. I'm not digging Quincy Elliott. I don't like this completely random positives and negatives thing that they're doing with Zion Quinn and all of it. It's just kind of, ah. No, no I'm not a fan of why can't Apollo Crews just be a wrestler? <laughs> because he why has does, to make your eyes bleed. Yeah, why does he need to give... How does he have these, have these visions? Like, I thought that they dropped that when, when after like a couple of... Like, a week after doing it. And I thought, oh, well, Triple H is in now. He's not going to continue this stupid gimmick. Oh, he continues the stupid gimmick. And Wendy Chu's still in pajamas. And all this other stuff is still happening. It's like, why aren't you fixing it? I guess well, he's leaving he... Sean. And it makes me feel like Sean doesn't really know what he's doing that much. Well, there could be an argument made that maybe Shawn Michaels likes gimmicks. But also, my guess is they don't want to immediately go, Wendy Chu is somehow Mei Ying again. You know, they probably like what they've built with the Wendy Chu thing. Um, my biggest criticism of NXT, the acting is 
atrocious. Hire, you hired a great PR person. That that does sound great, honestly. But hire an acting coach, please. Like the the Hank Walker segment where the the other security guards are like, yeah, uh, you know, uh, additional generic buddy buddy comment there, Hank. Like, what the fuck are you? What are you doing? What is this? What is this whole show? Oh, the Grayson Waller effect with Corey Jade and Roxanne Perez. Don't give them microphones if they can't cut promos. Roxanne is better. These two need microphones, damn it. They need to learn. Uh, but Roxanne's better than Cora is. And that's not saying much, but she is better. And they could have done a really cool gimmick of spin the wheel, make the deal, but they did it and just had Grayson Waller spin the wheel and go. It's a weapons wild match, which we don't know what that means. Well, we know what it means. It means no DQ. It's no DQ, and we gave it a fucking lame name. I hate that yeah. so much. Like, you've got so many options that you can do here, and you're going with it's a no DQ match. It's not even a good pun or anything. Like, you've got Halloween Havoc, and you, you don't want to do, like, the trick or street fight. That's what's making me think it's not just an ODQ because they would have just called it the trick or street fight. They would have called it one of the other three things on the wheel that also had no DQ. Now I'm basing this off of a very loose thing here, but I remember during the first Halloween havoc, when the weapons wild match was shown on the wheel, they claimed it was going to be like the Ambrose Asylum, the cage with the weapons. But I can't see them putting these two in a cage with weapons. No, I don't think that that's safe. They might, <laughs> but I, I, who knows? I mean, in the past, we've had just two other Halloween Havocs underneath this NXT kind of thing. And it was the Haunted House of Terror match with Loomis and Grimes, which was totally different. The Devil's Playground match with Gargano and Priest. And that was no DQ. There wasn't anything else to it. And the Tables, Ladders, and Scares match, which, as we said a million times, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs matches are no DQ or ladder matches. It's one way or another. Either you have pinfalls and it's just a no DQ match, or it's you climb the ladder and you grab something, which means it's a fucking ladder match. It's A TLC match doesn't exist. It's not a thing stupid as all hell but at least tables ladders and scares you've got like a pun to it last year we got the triple threat tag team scare way to hell ladder match the chucky's choice because they were doing a tie-in with the chucky tv show trick or street fight and the lumber jacko lantern match which that is like that's good. All great puns. that's when you have fun with it and weapons wild is just like what that's that's it. Fucking, oh, come on. Well, we'll know in like two weeks. And the card right now for Halloween Havoc is odd because they've got four matches already. And it's Breaker and McDonough and... <laughs> I'm never going to call him just dragging off like that. I always got to do that. You got the ladder match, which now we have more people are involved. It seems like it's going to be... uh. Hayes, Mensa, Lee, Wagner, and either Axiom or Fraser, I'm assuming. Uh, Creed against Damon Kemp in an ambulance match where if Julius loses, Brutus Creed has to leave NXT. I thought that was actually kind of fun. Some of that a little bit interesting. And then this Weapons Wild match, and I'm thinking, 
while you announced this Weapons Wild match, you had Apollo Crews somehow do something to Grayson Waller's eyeball, and are we not getting like a bloody eyeball match or something? Of course we are. They still have two weeks to announce more matches. They still They're, have to announce Mandy and Albafire. They already have four matches, though. They typically only do five. Tony, so, they can do a sixth match. They can announce Apollo and Grayson and then announce Mandy and Alba. I got a feeling Mandy and Alba's not going to be on the card. I mean, they could always save it for TV, but I think they'll do Mandy and Alba. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think they'd probably do that as well. Or, or who knows, because wherever that mystery driver took them, that could <laughs> that they could be gone. Well, wasn't from Alba the day. one driving the car? Isn't that the issue? No, was that well? Wasn't it a case of like they drove to the show? She just locked then... her in the back. I thought she, I thought she was hopping in the driver's seat. But she got in the back with Bandy, and so I beat her up, and then the car just went. <laughs> well, <laughs> they've they've firmly established that in NXT, people get abducted constantly. <laughs> if you have a car in a parking lot or something, they, they you... literally leaned into it this week. Yeah, uh, whoever it was, I think it was Sudo, was like. Well, that damn parking lot. Like, what? Yeah, now, the reason why is because Mandy Rose's brother passed away, so they took her off the card for that. But it is weird that this is a recurring thing in NXT where people get jumped in the parking lot or abducted in the parking lot. You know, Legato, there was a whole like five-week-long thing where it was like, don't go in the parking lot or Legato's going to steal you. <laughs> Dexter like, Lewis just kept uh, Kyle yeah. O'Reilly in the truck of his car. It's like they've they've established there's three incredibly dangerous places in professional wrestling. It's the NXT parking lot, AEW backstage, <laughs> and uh, any wrestler's home. That's true. Yeah, Is that... No wrestler ever locks their front door. Never ever. I mean, there's a fourth one. It's backstage if you're hanging around one of those crates that you can get thrown into. Oh, yeah, that's pretty bad. Or next to... Um, a uh, like a, a garage door. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting your head still, thrown into that one, door. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if you're like uh, just a production assistant, you might get fucked over. You might be Stan. Yeah, it's just kick Stan. That's a great moment. Sean Spears. For those who don't know, really strange. And, there is uh, something about him, isn't it? Because uh, did he uh, he tw- did it, he, the old tweet in the late of a uh, of, like a gif of him saying goodbye. Well, he well, did. Him saying Spears? Goodbye, it's just a, it's just a gif of like a goodbye sort of. Yeah, just that sort I of. That. Spears did. So, so, hmm? yeah, Spears? Spears. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I didn't hear anything about that. I guess it was too fast. Yeah, yeah, it was gone pretty quickly. But I think some people clocked it. So I don't. We don't know what that is referring mm. to. I'm not, I'm not. I don't want to just completely speculate these out of the company. But he hasn't been there for a while. So. And he was brought in as like a Cody guy. And you know he had way more success under Triple H with NXT and Ty Dillinger and all that. I could see that being the case. I could see the when uh, uh, Cassie is, you know, out of the whole pregnancy leave and everything. I could see Spears and the Iconics come back to WWE. I'll give that out uh, in due time. Mighty Chu be Lash Legend. I'm sure that was Calm's favorite match of the week. Chu's favorite <laughs> match of the year. I mean, I mean, it's, it's definitely not the worst last legend of Justin, but they kept it to like three minutes, so it was so mm-hmm. there's hot. It, there's very little that can go wrong in that amount of time. 
on the dynamite side of things there was the third anniversary i skipped through a lot of it because i watched it after the fact and yeah i wasn't really gonna waste my time with seeing another uh set of matches that i was like "Eh, it's a match whatever but um i saw that soraya got some physical involvement and said that it's her house well, that's so there was that six woman tag which was a very good match like again probably like a fun nice one nice of the better things they've done with their women lately yeah and they had Willow Nightingale getting the win because she's going to be challenging Jade Cargill at the Battle of the Belts which we'll actually we'll talk about in a little bit uh, but then it ended up with a brawl between Soraya and uh, Britt Baker, Baker and all the other women getting involved as well and there has been a report that's come out recently which says that Soraya has been cleared to compete by uh, AEW's doctor, Michael St- Sampson. So if that is true, then it means that we will see her in a match with Britt Baker, probably at, uh, at Full Gear. That'd be awesome. She deserves it. You know, let's see. I'm sure everybody's going to hold her to, you know... Uh, this incredible standard for some reason, but I'm just glad to see that she gets a second chance at this. Even if she gets one match, if that ends up being able to scratch that itch and have her feel like she went out on her own terms, then that's positive. Assuming nothing bad happens, obviously. Um, but we got some segments here that I was just like, uh, I wasn't digging Jungle Boy being like, you were my best friend to Luciosaurus. Loved the acclaim segment. Yeah, that was that was the best. Well, it was one of the two best things in the show. I think that the um, the wheelie to MJF match was fantastic, as you would expect. Basically, any MJF match is one of the best matches on any yeah, show. Yeah, it really makes you wish he wrestled more. But I think like that's exactly it, why he shouldn't not, wrestle. It makes much. me, it, yeah, it makes me wish that he, well, not that he wrestles less, but this is why he wrestles less because when he does, you just remember how good he is at it. It's like. The Brock Lesnar thing can work if it's not like you don't see him for like three or four months at a time. Like, at least with MJF, you get to hear him on the microphone every now and again. And then when he, well, very often. And then when he wrestles, it's like, oh God, I wish you did this more often. But it makes me want to see his matches more. And so it's good they space them apart. It makes them draws. And he but, and Yuta uh, are definitely buds. And Yuta's proven himself in the ring and everything too. So the chemistry's there. The whole scissor national scissoring day is such <laughs> like this is what this is like you know that we were talking about that pretty deadly segment. This is one of those segments done really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Where it's just these guys talking and they've got the crowd in their palm of their hands and everyone is super excited and into it. Um they're doing a DX reunion, aren't they? On is it on SmackDown or is it when's it? It's on Raw. It's on, on Raw. Raw. Uh they're gonna need to make some sort of scissoring joke. Yeah, they've there was a report like two weeks ago that oh they're already prepared for scissor me daddy ass chance. <laughs> like they're they're <laughs> ready for it. But yeah, but this thing is like so super over and this team is super over, so um yeah, that whole segment was great. Golden pair of scissors. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the amount of people in the crowd that had some kind of like Instead of having a sign, they made like their own little thing of scissors. I thought that was great. Yeah, and also just like them talking to the crowd and getting to like scissor their neighbors as if it was like an act of like friendship and stuff like that. Just like it's the thing that binds us together and unites us. Like 
these two are such awesome baby faces and they came in as just like the most not I would say dislikable heels, but like they were clear just people to rile them up, like the old John Cena Fugonomics gimmick. And then they come in and they're doing this and they're just like, Yeah, we absolutely love these guys. They're great. I know they're paired with Billy, so it feels like a like a bit on the nose, but they do remind me very much of the New Age Outlaws. Mm-hmm. You take two guys who are on the singles end who might not do much on their own, and then you put them together, and they're one of the most fun acts in wrestling. It's definitely got a shelf life. You know, I feel like Sizzle Me Daddy Ass is going to be one of those things that we look at in the same way we look at everything DX did. But it's fun while it's here. Uh, anything else happened on this show that's worth talking about? I mean, Paige and Moxley had their promo, but it's just promo. It's like nothing. Uh, Daniel Garcia is like full out of the Jericho Appreciation Society. That's right. Yeah, the match. It was the full into the Jericho Appreciation Society. I don't know, man. They had like a twenty-minute match. <laughs> no, but, no, but after this match, again, I'm add, it, it. Just everything is adding fuel to my fire of suggesting that he's going to turn on D- Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. Keep saying Daniel Bryan. It's Daniel Garcia and Brian Daniel. Uh, Brian Danielson, who <laughs> Brian Daniel, of Daniel yeah. Bryan. Yeah, who formed the team of Daniel Bryan. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, I think that because you had Garcia lose to Jericho, well, lose to Guevara, but, like, lost the match due to Jericho interfering and hitting him with the title belt, I think that this could add to the narrative of Garcia is coming to terms with the fact that he can't win without cheating or Jericho's right to cheat to win. And so he's actually going to turn away from the pro wrestler side of things, double down on being a sports entertainer. And yeah, that, that, that I, I'm more convinced that that's the path they're going to take because it's a, it's a swerve, but it's a swerve that I think can make sense and you can tell logically. Uh, but yeah, that was great. I, I also want to talk about that. Uh, Brian Cage versus Wardlow. I, I've, I've been very vocal with the fact that I'm not a huge fan of Brian Cage. I just don't think that he's got... He, obviously, he's got a great look, and he has some cool moves, but I just think that he lacks that force of personality behind him to really make it as a, a top star. But his match with Wardlow is, was great. And it was just like... It was two big guys who decided that we're going to wrestle Lucha Libre for a match. And... Yeah, this is more matches that we need to see Wardlow having. It's just matches against credible enough names that he's just beating until someone likely powerhouse Hobbs or someone like that eventually topples him for the belt. But yeah, that was a that was a great match to have as well. Let's get into Battle of the Belts predictions. We do have Cargill against Nightingale for the TBS Championship. We've got FTR against the Gates of Agony for the ROH World Tag Team titles. And we've got the All-Atlantic title on the line, Pack against Trent. I'm assuming all three titles stay exactly where they are. Yeah, I'd like, okay. I'm always of the opinion I want to see at least one belt change hands on these things. But my guess is that given the matches, these belts are staying exactly where they are. Yeah, I can't see. I mean, on Rampage they're doing they do the uh, trios type tag match. So Pack is working double duty, essentially. So, so there could be something to that, and that could uh, lead to him losing the title to Brett. But I think that's unlikely. 
I think if anyone from Best Friend is winning the title, it would be Orange Cassidy. And considering he's not in the match and they're not doing a rematch of that, then I think that title changes out of the question. Uh, there's very, very unlikely that Willow Nightingale is going to beat Jay Cargill, but Willow is too, pretty pretty over right now. Shit. So I died before it. I, I've said plenty of times now that I think at this point with Jade, you either let her win the world title and forfeit the TBS title, or you just have somebody beat her because no matter who you pick, there's always going to be a complaint. And that could be if they were to decide to make a move. Again, I'm fully convinced that Jade is going to retain, but if they did decide to make that move, it could be a way of convincing people that you need to tune into these shows because on on the surface, these matches and these title matches don't have a lot of fire or steam to them. But if you if you decide on this to put on this show to have Jade Cargill lose the TBS title that she's defended multiple times and she's 30, 38 and one ends her undefeated streak, then you're basically saying, "Oh, I've got to." Well, you want to try and get people to think, "Oh, I better tune into these things live more often because they could just any title could just change hands on these shows." So I'd say that out of the three matches, that is actually surprisingly the one that I think is the most likely to see a title change. Well, if you consider the fact that there's actually four titles on the line, I think the one that I would probably switch, as weird as it is, is the Dark Order. I'd put the titles on the Dark Order. There's a fourth one? Oh, did did they announce a fourth one? Yeah, well, the no, it's not, it's not on Battle of the Belts. It's on Rampage. It's, it's on the same night. It's on Rampage. Oh, okay. I was like, wait a minute. I didn't think that was the case for that. Um, no, no, the replacement for the uh, 10 versus Andrade, Andrade matches now uh, 10 John Silver and Alex Reynolds against uh, against uh, Death, Triangle. Death Triangle for the Trios titles. I'd probably give Dark Order the belts. It's the anniversary of Brody Lee's last match. You need a feel-good something in this company right now. It's nobody's going to complain. Even though they did have the whole, like, you put it on the Young Bucks and it didn't work out the way that you wanted because you were going to probably do the Undisputed Era match and everything that goes along with that. And then you put it on Death Triangle, even though it probably should have gone to Best Friends and all that. They've bounced enough belts back and forth around that they need to settle on something more solid and i would be totally on board with the dark order winning those belts and let pack do his own thing with the all atlantic title yeah i think i'm gonna actually lock that in i'm gonna say the rest of the titles stay put but dark order wins the trios titles if that's a shame uh then if that ends up happening that they wouldn't do the all atlantic title on rampage and then have that as even like a potential excuse of like, oh, well, earlier in the night, Pack wrestled, and that's one of the reasons why they lose. Then look at that. We do have a title change at Battle of the Belts. That's what I probably would have done if that's... I guess we'll talk about it after it happens. It's happening later on tonight. And um, we have one more prediction set to talk about, which is something that I'm not familiar with, and I didn't even know what was happening until these guys brought it up. Bound for Glory is happening. And there are eight matches on this card that I've not read at all yet. So I'm going to be reading it for the first time as I read it along here. We've got Brian Myers against, God damn it, the first match is against TBD. Really? <laughs> it's an open challenge. It's an open challenge. For the Impact Digital Media Championship. Impact. Um, 
I have not followed anything about this title. Is it just the internet belt that they made and they kind of were like, hey, look at that, Cardona and Myers and, and whatnot? Or is this supposed to mean something else? Well, yeah, it was. it's supposed to be the uh, belt that was meant to be exclusively defended on digital platforms like YouTube and on the, their pay-per-views and stuff like that for Fight TV, nothing that would be aired on TV. And then, you know, they started defending it on TV because that's that's what you do with these types of belts. That's the problem um, with the TV championship. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I haven't been watching Impact closely enough to know if there is someone who has been, like, exclusively that Myers has been feuding with or someone that it's a clear, obvious that this person will be facing Myers on the show. I think that just to get the night off excitedly, they'll just have him lose the title because he's held it for a long time. But I don't know who, I I have no idea who this TBD will be. So as I'm, as I watch Impact every week, um, he's held it for a number of months. He picked it up when Cardona got injured. And therefore I say the surprise person is Matt Cardona. And whether Myers just gives it over or... Cardona and him actually have a match. I hope that they don't because I like them as a team. I think Cardona walks out with a digital media title. We have Josh Alexander against Eddie Edwards for the Impact World Championship. Well, going straight to the main event. I'm reading it in order of the Wikipedia page. So for some yeah. reason, they have that down as the number two thing. <laughs> well, they always on the Wikipedia. They always put the main event at the top of the list, except for when there's a, a pre-show match. Yeah. Well, that's talk about it anyway. It's impact. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Eddie Edwards is the head of the honor. No more faction, which is the big ring of honor faction in, uh, impact. Uh, Josh Alexander's held the title for a, a little while now. Like again, he's like, I don't know how to describe it. He's a very, traditional champion like traditional baby face take all comers type of champion but he's a very good wrestler and i eddie edwards is a great wrestler as well so i think that this should be a fun match i would probably lean towards i mean i my gut would say alexander retains but then they did this angle on the go home show of eddie edwards and his wife, Alicia Edwards, who's a wrestler on Impact as well, came into an argument basically saying that like, if he doesn't leave on them or end, end this stuff, then they're over. And that just immediately leads me to think that she's going to low blow Josh Alexander and Eddie Edwards is going to win the title. Because <laughs> I've watched wrestling before. So I've watched wrestling before, and I think that after months and months of this person attacking on or no more, I think Heath Slater is going to help Eddie Edwards win the title. And I don't know if that tells you everything you need to know about Impact or not, but I think Heath Slater is going to help Eddie Edwards win the world title of Impact. Uh, and I think we'll find he's just Heath. In Which that tells Listen, you more I about got, Impact than anything else. I, I didn't want to say just Heath. I never want to say just Heath. Okay, so I think Heath Slater is going to help Heath. Uh, Josh Impact, Alexander win the title. And also, Tony, before you make those sort of remarks, Impact is good. Like, it's Impact, a good show. <laughs> Impact is a, is a very solid show. Listen, I am actually, I really want to see this company in 2023 branch out a bit more and try to fill up bigger arenas and maybe up their production because the biggest problem I have with Impact is that it looks yeah, completely minor league. Other yeah, than that, it, the it wrestling's great. Yeah, the, the, they definitely need to up the production and... Uh, gets a few more people in the in the doors, but 
unfortunately they they have that stigma attached to them so it's unlikely that they will be able to get beyond the point they currently are at but as an as an alternative like the small company in north america outside of the other two big major ones they they do a good job and they provide at least a good working environment for other people to perform before they go up to potentially one of the bigger shows urge to merge urge to merge. <laughs> yeah let's Josh put, alexander let's put, wins let's, let's, let's put all of these wrestlers into two already inflated rosters and see how much time they get and merge them with uh nwa and then you only have one company that i don't need to pay attention to instead of two <laughs> i'm going alexander wins because what the hell i'll toss out my predictions for something on a watch including i have no clue who masha slamovich is but she's against jordan grace for the impact knockouts world title and the fact that she's got that name i'm assuming she is like uh mother russia from kick ass too yes <laughs> I, I mean like she's a badass i this should be a great match with two you know kind of irresistible force a movable object but with the women and these women can work and i think that this should be one of the better matches of the night masha winning makes sense to me and then eventually dropping it to mickey that is where i feel this might go but i also have watched wrestling before and since masha got the better of jordan to close out the show last night my brain is also like well maybe jordan wins here then but i'm gonna stick with my gut and say Masha wins here and is the dominant champion that Mickey James eventually has to defeat or go home by like slam anniversary. So yeah, Masha has been building up a, a long undefeated streak since uh, joining Impact Wrestling. Jordan Grace is a very dominant and like strong champion. So and they this was the final angle they shot on the go home show as well. So they're almost treating this as like it's at least as important as the world title match, if not. In, I think in many people's eyes, this is the main event of the show between these two. So I think that it, as Rob says, it should be a really good match. And I think that Masha should win the title, maintain her undefeated streak. Uh, become the champion, and but I will disagree with you one thing. I think that she should face Mickey James for the title at Slammiversary, and she should defeat her. and she should defeat Mickey James and retire Mickey right James. Yeah. I'm alright with it. Well, Mickey James does have a match on this card against Mia Yim in a career-threatening match because I mean this she... is one of the easiest one. As okay. we've literally just said, we both think Mickey James will move on to Slammiversary, mm-hmm. and also I the... think Mickey James wins here. And also Mia Yim's contract is up after this show as well, so she won't be an impact probably beyond this thing. She'll probably go back to WWE. Yeah, so more than likely she is not going to just beat Mickey James and then go away, and then what's the point of that? So I'm going Mickey uh, winning there and keeping her career. I don't know where this ends, but maybe it's against Slamovich at Slamovichery, if they call it that. It gives me so much pleasure when I make a bad joke and the people that are around me enough that they know the bad jokes are there that they end up getting that like, fuck this kind of response. <laughs> like instantly, it's so much better if I do one to Caroline and I get like the eye roll and like the, oh, that was a bad one kind of thing. Uh, Mike Bailey, never heard of him before that I can remember, is defending the Impact X Division title against Frankie Kazarian. Yes. AEW Frankie Kazarian? Okay. That's right. That's yep. how he's advertised. Huh. 
Yeah, they, why? Uh, I mean, they have a tentative working. Re- uh, it's not like as, as strong honestly, a regulation. Well, as well, first of all, Master. first of all, Tony, what the fuck is Frankie Kazarian doing in AEW that you're telling me he can't appear at Bound for Glory? Second I, of all, I assume he is still firmly at work hunting the elite. <laughs> well, he got him. <laughs> He got him. Yeah, I, don't see, I don't see the elite anymore on the show, do you? <laughs> so, look, I think Kazarian winning would be awesome here, but Speedball's probably going to win because he's the guy who's actually under contract with Impact. But still, fuck it. Let's, let's go with Kazarian. I'd like to see him win. They are um, telling the story that if uh, Kazarian wins, he'll become a five-time uh, X Division champion, which I'd Think, uh, I don't think many people would have that, that title. Would that put him at the top of the list? Uh, let me just check this old uh, history of the Impact uh, X Division Championships. I don't think it'll put him at the top. Uh, it'll be uh, it'll tie him up with AJ. Uh, no, uh, Samoa Joe and Loki. Oh, oh no, Kazarian, li- oh, Kazarian's technically held it five times because it counts his reign when he was suicide for a bit as well. Um, so if he wins this one, he'll go level with Austin Aries, Jay Lethal, and AJ Styles. Boy, six. that is some bad company and one really great guy. <laughs> Who's got it the most amount of times? Uh, Chris Saban has got it eight times. Oh, good for him. Wow. So, But yeah, that's... Uh, but the, again, it should be a fun match. It's very... Like, Mike Bailey's really, really good, really talented, very, like, fast and energetic worker against a guy who's more of just the grounded veteran... Uh, it's babyface versus babyface. There's, yeah, it's whether they want to give the veteran another run with the title or they want to use his legacy in order to build up Mike Bailey even more. And so I think they probably will keep the title on Mike Bailey. I'll go Bailey. I mean, Bailey's, <laughs> Bailey's going to win, but like, I'd like to see Kazarian win. I like Kazarian. Hmm. He's my guy. And we have Matt Taven and Mike Bennett of honor no more against motor city machine guns for the impact world tag team titles. And I'll go honor no more because why not <laughs> say it with some confidence, damn it. Like and allow us to wipe away that confidence because Matt Taven and Mike Bennett's contracts with impact wrestling are over as of, of, of I they're, believe they're no more. End of, uh, yeah. They're, they're no more. After <laughs> and this. Their, their contracts were over for a while and forgot to, it's the motor city machine guns. I, yeah. you, it's kind of like Frankie for me. Like, you can't go wrong with putting the belts on the machine guns. Frankie Kazarian's I, winning the tag titles. You heard it here. <laughs> I, I, fundamentally, I don't think any, I don't think any of these four guys are like exclusively signed to Impact Wrestling. I oh, know. So it's like, I, I think that, I think the likelihood is that most machine guns will win the tag titles. They'll get them back. And I think that there is a very high possibility that we see Taven, Bennett, and Kanellis in WWE. Could we get Motor City Machine Guns winning these titles and then losing them to FTR? No, maybe. I think that. I think. That, I think. I think that's. It's. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I think it's unlikely that they will take that step. I know we saw the Motor City Machine Guns on AEW, so there's there is at least some element. But that, I think that's mainly due to the fact that Alex Shelley and Chris Saban aren't are allowed to work in other places. You know, in another world, we could be happily speculating. Maybe even FTR shows up, you know, you never know. But it's on a packed Friday night where we know FTR is defending the Ring of Honor title, so that's not happening. Um, I think Machine Guns win here. I did not think about Taven and Bennett back with WWE or 
Bennett and Canales back with WWE and bringing Taven with them. They're a good fit for it, but I just sort of feel like Maria and Mike have been so openly outspoken about enjoying themselves out of WWE that I can't see them going. Yeah, but then the money comes in. You know, that's true. That... <laughs> Everyone changes their mind once the first paycheck hits. I think, I'd, I'd say, I'm not going to say that with, with any super certainty, but I think that this will probably be their last, maybe not their last night with Impact because they might do some recordings beyond that because they need to really do the whole disintegration of the Honor No More stable before they can really all depart and go their separate ways. But uh, I think that they'll likely lose the title here and then they'll be on the way out one way or another to, again, whether they it's to continue doing stuff on the independent stuff. Maybe they, they've obviously been in New Japan before, so maybe they can go there. There's lots of other avenues for them to explore outside of WWE. Just, I'm just getting that inclination or feeling that they might they might head over there, head back to uh, head back to the Fed. Well, wouldn't if they are going to be leaving, and that's two or I guess three people in honor no more. Wouldn't that kind of point towards Eddie Edwards not winning the title? Well, there, there are six people in honor no more, and they could always just have Eddie Edwards like denounce his evil ways, and you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that so Eddie Edwards on no more consists of Eddie Edwards, Taven Bennett, Maria, uh, Kenny King. PCO and Vincent and so there's a yeah so there's other people they could bring in and they could also probably just find another unsigned ring of honor tag team to join up with them if they really wanted to I mean they could bring in a Rhett Titus and form him back up with Kenny King and they can become the tag team for that group but uh, I think that yeah I, I think that they need to at least tell the story of them getting kicked out before like they they won't just lose here and then we just see no more of them. I think they need to be kicked out of the group, but I don't know when and how that will happen. Whatever happened with Maria's wrestling women's she, army? She's or still something? actively doing it. Because that is another thing that I would think would point in the direction of them not going back to WWE, but maybe it doesn't follow through or something. And I don't know. Maybe, I can see them being a part of Frankie. Uh, Oh, Frankie. What am I saying? Frankie. Um, oh my God. What's his name? Fucking uh, Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> I was going to call him Frankie Munoz for a second. Uh, <laughs> I could see. Guy. Yeah, totally different guy. Um, I could see them being people that he would want for his organization that he is starting up. But uh, again, I guess we'll see. And we have two more matches on this card. VXT. Chelsea Green and Deanna Peraza. What does that stand for? Vexed. Just vexed. Say it. VXT. Yes, but phonetically, it's just vexed. It's it's just listen. They were in NXT. They came up with the name while they were in NXT, and they haven't changed it. <laughs> they are defending the Impact Knockouts Women's World Championship against the Death Dolls, Jessica and Taya Valkyrie with Rosemary. Let me tell you a fun story, Tony. Chelsea Green does not have a contract, and Deanna Perrazzo's contract is coming up. So, I'm going to go with the challengers. You guys want to rethink that whole defending impact thing at the beginning of this? No, no, because that's, um, that's what Impact's there for. Impact is there for the people who are in between contracts with AEW and WWE. You need a company like this to 
give people places to work and build up. And also it keeps the promotion fresh because new people are coming in over and over again. It's a good thing that it's called Impact and not Contract. (laughs) Contract Pro Wrestling is not the way they're doing business here. But but realistically, Chelsea Green and Diona Prazo, at the very least, deserves a bigger platform. I, I would be surprised if Chelsea Green... Is, would go to WWE just because of Cardona, but who knows? Cardona's got himself super over, so on the indies, but I don't know whether that would translate into him coming back because Zack Ryder. He would have to come back and just be like, I'm Matt Cardona now. Yeah, he'd have to be Matt Cardona. He, it wouldn't work. He said, like, I'm Zack Ryder now. Woo, woo, woo. And yeah, all this stuff here yeah, just work. Like, wouldn't work. Uh, the Death Dolls, they've been telling this story about how. Again, it's 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 the thing that I like least about Impact. It's this whole Rosemary, Father James Mitchell, Portal to Hell bullshit that they do, where Jessica is is the former is the former Havoc or Jessica Havoc, and she's now a pink haired, like fun loving, person, who Tyra's taken affinity to because Tyra's more of that persuasion, even though she has a tag team with rosemary and so now they're teaming up together and rosemary's in their corner against it it's it's a very convoluted thing that i i don't enjoy but the death dolls will probably win the titles because as rob says the other two may not be in this company for much longer let me tell you how much i want diana peraza to go elsewhere and just be the biggest star in women's wrestling you know honestly WWE, i didn't think she would go but she's someone you can Skyrocket, skip right past NXT and skyrocket to the main roster. I mean, things are different under Triple H. Can never count out the idea that somebody would go, I hated WWE before, but now I've got a different platform. And yeah, I'll go Death Dolls too, because what you said. (laughs) And then we have the Call Your Shot Gauntlet 20 wrestler intergender gauntlet battle royal winner gets a trophy and a contract for a title match which currently it's there's money. It's, it's what you want with money in the bank they can use it at any time for a literally any title so it's like they changed it to call your shot because they stopped doing the feats were fired mm-hmm. and they made it a battle royal instead and they don't and do the polls with the briefcases and it's intergender mm-hmm yeah, so basically, it's, it's it's like Feast of Fire, except absolutely nothing like Feast of Fire. There you go. <laughs> I don't recognize some of the names on this list. I do recognize some. Obviously, I know Heath, Slater, <laughs> uh, Rich Swan, PCO, Bobby Fish, Steve Macklin, Moose, Sammy Callahan, Kelly Kelly, yeah. uh, Joe Hendry. I don't. I, I know a little bit about Joe Hendry, but not too much. I know Eric Young. I don't know Savannah Evans. I know I've heard the She's name Tasha Steeles. She's Tasha Steele's bodyguard. I've heard the name Tasha Steele's, but I don't know anything about her. I don't know Johnny Swinger. I don't know Bupender Gujar. And I don't know Giselle Shaw. And then the rest will be filled in with like surprise entrance. Bully Ray is alluding to the fact that he might be one. Um, I think I'm going to say Heath wins this. Just because... They keep having him around the main event, but like for no reason other than he's just inserting himself into these honor no more brawls. So I'll say Heath wins it. I'm just because of the vignettes they've been doing. I have to go with Joe Hendry to win this one. Oh my god! 
he's a guilty pleasure of mine. These vignettes are so silly and they're so fun. And Joe Hendry is legitimately an entertaining individual. I think you'd find like these segments Joe Hendry's put together funny, Tony, because it's like the, the, it's, I believe in Joe Henry singing thing. Yeah. I saw a little bit of that and I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of these ones where he's a. Uh, he, there's a, I don't know, there's there's a group of people surrounding a uh, a guy in the hostel bed, and I think he's on, like, life support, or he's close to dying, or something like that, and everyone's, like, really upset, and he just comes in with the music, and everyone just starts partying around and dancing <laughs> to Joe Hendry's music, and then the guy dies on his life support while the music's going on, it's just, <laughs> it's it's so dark humorish, but I just love that shit, it's just so funny. The uh, little bit that I've seen of, uh, that, I'm assuming it's the same one, um, I I was laughing. I I didn't finish watching it, but yeah, I had seen a little bit and I thought it was funny. Um, yeah, so I I'm, I'm going to go with him winning because they they built him him up for his uh this is his, like debut in Impact Wrestling, so I think they might make him a big deal straight away. If he wasn't announced for this, I would have picked him to challenge Myers and just win the digital media title. But Joe Hendry's great. So that is bound for glory. No, no, you didn't pick someone. Pick someone. Oh, I'll go. Uh, I'll go. Mysterious opponent. Somebody will come in that's not announced, and they'll win. Which uh, one? Though? Go there's, there's, there's there's four mysterious opponents yet that we've still got to pick one of the the third one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the, so the third person that's not currently announced for the show that comes out is your pick. Yes. I hope it's Blue Meanie. Even better. I remember, this all a fantasy. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I would still take the hit just to go with that. Um, I will not be watching Bound for Glory, but if anything cool ends up happening and these guys want to talk about anything. it, then, uh, then they'll talk about it. <laughs> a future episode of the Hot Dogs or something. Or maybe a dark cast. I don't know. When's it happening? No. At 8, at 8 p.m. during 8? SmackDown, Denny. Yeah. Okay. So eight o'clock. I honestly don't even really feel like watching SmackDown tonight. So I definitely am not going to be trying to. Uh, I was going to say double fist. <laughs> There's two screens up on that. I'm not going to do that. But if anybody, fist me, daddy ass. <laughs> um, we'll see. I don't know. We'll talk about it maybe in some fashion. But if you want to make sure that we do, pick poison. There you go. You can sponsor it. But even just the fact that you listen to this episode and you're listening to this right now and you got all the way through the hot tags means that you are a dedicated fan and we love you and we want to know what you have to say. So drop your comments below. Tell us what you thought about all these things. Tell us your predictions about that stuff. Do you think the second mystery opponent's going to win or something instead? I don't know. And um, if you go to, of course, markoutmoment.com and you go to fanboysanonymous.com and everything else that you will see under amangotree.com. Click the like button and follow and share and favorite and subscribe and blah, 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 blah. That goes along with all those things. I don't know what the next thing on Fanboys Anonymous is going to be, but stay tuned for anything that does happen there. I've seen Don't Worry Darling at Amsterdam recently, but none of them warranted doing a podcast about it. Maybe something else with uh, Black Adam, you know, that's coming up pretty soon and it's got rock in it. So that's a good promotional thing yeah, between these two. Black Adam's coming out. Black Panther's coming out. So you know I'm going to be doing something about Black Panther because that looks like that could be a lot of fun. And the first one's great. So, yeah. 
But uh, go to fanboysanonymous.com and see what's happening there. Go to amangotree.com, click on all those things, and follow me at Tony Mango all over the place, including that Twitter account that's verified. Woo! And make sure that you are following these guys as well. Philman, Rob, what's going on with dofelice.com? Is it up yet? Um, as I just woke up to an email this morning that said tomorrow afternoon, so we'll see. And, of course, once that's all up, I will direct all of you lovely people there. But for now, you can follow my work at Fightful. I've been kind of leading the team over at Fightful this week with Jeremy Lambert celebrating his wedding. So check out all the good work over there. Check out the great work at WrestleZone and check out SmartGuyMoment.com, including the triple threat, because that's my contribution. Callum? Yep, so head on over to SmartGuyMoment.com where you'll find the power rankings, which I put up every single Saturday. And, yeah, you can find all the top wrestlers in WWE who's been uh, reaching to the reach of the top of the rung, top rung of the ladder. And you could also find the Fantasy League there as well, as well as heading to www.fantasyleague.com and you can see which one, which members of our teams are picking up points every single week and how, how much closer Rob is getting to being to somewhat competitive. You've been married to the bottom since the start of this thing, so I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. But uh, yeah, just keep following along with that. So you can find me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. And yeah, that's it for me. And that'll do us in for episode number 566 of the Hot Tags. We got the Extreme Rules post show coming up tomorrow night after the pay per view, which of course there will be live coverage on smartcatmoment.com and plenty of other content elsewhere on Bleacher and EWN. Back and check out that article i wrote up for bleach report the other day by the way about the how i would book the rock versus roman reigns that's been one of my more favorite things that i had written up recently i'm very proud of that one gotten some praise and i'm I'm, like that was cool to see down for praise down when people like my stuff (laughs) me too and um i hope that you like this episode and we will see you tomorrow night and then Next week, we're getting to the next episode of the Hot Tags, which is going to be combined with the mailbag for quarter four. So this is your last mailbag of the year until we get around to next year, next January. We're probably around like the 11th or something in January. We'll do it. We'll figure that out. But uh, currently, the game plan is to do that. And we might do another main event next week, or we might just do the one podcast and then record the dark cast for October. I haven't quite sorted that out yet, but then we got Halloween Havoc following that and then some other things, of course, that we have going down the pipeline. So if you want to send in your mailbag questions for the quarter four mailbag, go ahead and do that over the next few days and we will put them in the the mail sack. That sounds awful. Of the... uh, on the back burner and get to them one Friday. If you're not able to join us live for that, because that will be a live edition. That's what we've been doing for these is, you know, in case we get any super chats or, you know, people that are trying to, you know, impromptu mailbag questions or whatever, we'll do that and um, see where else this takes us. But extreme rules coming up tomorrow night, set up those email alerts and join us then. But for now, this has been another smart out moment and we are being counted out.